Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 13th of December, 2021, the 9th of Tevet, 5782, coming to you from a beautiful day here in Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Don't forget, you can get in touch with me during the week, Josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Joshua Haston, or Josh Haston Israel Advocacy and Journalism on Twitter at Josh Haston and on Instagram as well. Starting off the news this morning, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, as reported by Times of Israel, he made an announcement yesterday that he will be he would be flying to Abu Dhabi, where he is right now, to meet with Crown Prince Sheikh Mohammed bin Zayed. Al Nayan, known as MBZ. It's the first first official visit of an Israeli premier to the United Arab Emirates. The Prime Minister will be in Abu Dhabi just for one day, just for today, for his meeting, and will return to Israel, I believe, this evening. The Prime Minister's office released a statement saying the leaders will discuss deepening ties between Israel and the UAE. With an, with an emphasis, sorry, on economic and regional issues that will contribute to prosperity, welfare, and strengthening stability between the countries. And I would guess that Iran is also on the agenda there on the, in, the, uh, in the meeting between Naftali Bennett and MBZ. And a lot of activity on the Iranian front with these stalled nuclear talks. And we'll talk here just a minute, in a minute, about Israel perhaps going at it alone in terms of taking military action against Iran. But what about, let me ask you, what about this uh, meeting between Bennett and the UAE? And a lot of, been, a lot of people actually have, have, I guess, have been ignoring recent developments in the UAE. I don't know, maybe they don't want to rain on the the boat of the Abraham uh, Accords or whatnot. But Seth Fransman from the Jerusalem Post this past Friday talked about the meetings the UAE was having with senior Iranian officials in recent days. Again, it doesn't seem like too many people want to address that issue. It was in Friday's Jerusalem Post. Uh, It just seems like Israel is sweeping this under the rug. And again, um, what do those meanings mean? Why is the UAE meaning with the heads of Iran? What does that mean for the future of Israel-UAE relations? Maybe that's the reason Naftali Bennett got on a plane, our prime minister, and traveled to the UAE to find out what's going on over there. Why, <clears throat> why when Israel is building a coalition, if you will, of Gulf states, in order to thwart Iran's nuclear program, why would the UAE seem to be wanting to strengthen their ties with Iran? I would guess that is probably the, the top issue on the agenda, uh, in addition to everything else that was in that press release about economic issues, prosperity, and whatnot. They didn't mention regional issues, but... I think Iran is top top dollar there. I think that's the top story. And I would put money that uh, that is why Naftali Bennett, our prime minister, announced on Sunday he was going and he is already over there in Abu Dhabi. Mains to be seen. 
And again, behind the scenes, who knows what is really being discussed and who knows what information they will share in public in regard to the Iranian issue. Now, the Jewish press reported via the Tatspeet News Agency, a senior Israeli security source said that the Americans have been informed that Defense Minister Benny Gantz has directed the IDF's chief of staff to prepare for a military attack on Iran's nuclear infrastructure. The security source added that it would be much better for the Americans to act against Iran, but this possibility seems far away at this time. This dramatic statement, which was carried by the entire Israeli media over the weekend, was published as Gantz is in the U.S. for meetings with the country's top defense and diplomatic officials. On Friday, Benny Gantz met with U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken uh, and others in order to discuss the growing threat of the Iranian nuclear weapons program. The two emphasized that while the threats to our security and our way of life continue to increase around us, one thing remains constant, the unbreakable bond between the U.S. and Israel. That was part of the statement released. But here you have, on this side of the world, Naftali Bennett, Prime Minister Bennett, meeting in the UAE. And in the U.S., you have Defense Minister Gans meeting with the Americans. A lot of activity, a lot of action going on on the Iranian front. I'll be curious to know what comes out of the meetings with the UAE. And I would, I would really like to know, I'd like more people to ask the question why the UAE is spending time with the heads of Iran, knowing that Iran is the number one exporter of global terrorism and that the UAE is so close to Iran and they might be the first ones who are in the line of fire if Iran decides to aim their weapons at any country. Of course, Israel, they openly say they want to destroy the state of Israel, but the UAE, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, all these other countries that Israel is warming up to, um, what is the story there with the UAE meeting with the Iranians? Again, I did not see it like on the front page. Maybe I missed it. I don't know. But I think that's a huge deal. And uh, again, just to summarize, I believe that is why Prime Minister Bennett is over there. Now, this is sort of a funny story. Um, but not not really funny. It's pretty unbelievable, yet believable because it's happened before. This uh, from the Jerusalem Post: the enmity between Israel and Iran has a long history dating back to the story of Purim, the holiday, the Jewish holiday of Purim. An Iranian par parliamentarian stated in an interview with the Fars News Agency on Sunday. He said the Zionist regime is the sworn enemy of Iran and Iranians, and this enmity without any connection to the ruling regime in Iran has a long history so that the Zionists still celebrate Purim every year on the anniversary of the brutal massacre of the Iranian people. This is Zoreh Lajavradi, if I'm, I'm probably butchering his name, a representative from the Iranian parliament. So he says that the Zionists or the Jews or whoever you want to call them carried out a massacre back at the times of the Persian Empire. We're talking about over 2,000 years ago in the city of Shushan. This is the holiday of Purim we're talking about when the Jews faced annihilations at the head of Haman, the evil Haman, 
who carried out an edict that he was going to destroy all the Jews of Persia. And of course, you have Mordechai and Esther, and we're not going to go through the whole story of Purim right now. But the Jews, um, thanks to Esther and everything she did in marrying Ahasuerus, the Jews fought back in self-defense and overturned the evil edict, overturned the decree. And now here today, 2,000 years later, they're saying that the Jews carried out a massacre in the city of Shushan, in Persia, in Iran, whatever you want to call it, in that area of the world. And this isn't the first time that Iranian officials have used the story of Purim for political purposes, to spread anti-Semitism. In 2011, there was a an organization there in Iran who accused the Jews of carrying out an Iranian holocaust. That's what they call the story of Purim. Of course, not talking about a 2,000-year-old story of self-defense um, when there was an edict to murder all the Jews in that area. So again, it's it's pretty funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it, it's pretty remarkable how over 2,000 years ago, the Persian leader tries to massacre all the Jews. The plot The plot is foiled. The Jews win. And somehow we're the ones who carried out a massacre. I mean, the anti-Israel propaganda battle isn't just about today's news items. It goes back 2,000 years. Uh, not the first time in history our enemies have changed an ancient story and claim that the Jewish people today should be punished as a result. If you look, open the Machsor, the prayer book of Yom Kippur, you will see similar stories in which the Jews are blamed for things that happened two, 3,000 years ago. The haters of the Jews will try anything and everything to justify how they want to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. And it's happening here again today in modern-day Iran. In Egypt, Ynet reports that Foreign Minister Yair Lapid arrived in Cairo on Thursday on a diplomatic visit aimed at strengthening ties and shoring up a ceasefire between Israel and Hamas. So Egypt has been the intermediary between Israel and Hamas over the years. Hamas, of course, wants the blockade uh, to be eased while they're using every opportunity at their disposal not to bring peace and prosperity to the area, but to build more rockets to be fired against Israel. That's what Hamas is all about. Israel, of course, would like to see the release of two Israelis, Israeli civilians who are captives in Gaza and get back uh, two soldiers who were, who were killed, the bodies of two soldiers who were killed by Hamas in 2014. Um, this, is, this part of the story reported here by Ynet disturbs me. Uh, Foreign Minister Lapid there in Egypt discussed Israel's efforts to strengthen the rival Palestinian Authority whose forces were toppled, toppled by Hamas in 2007. This part uh, bothers me. Um, strengthening the PA, right? That's the plan. Who operates a pay-for-slay program. Is that really a good idea? Are they, first of all, are they good to their own people? Are they good for Israel? And this goes back to the flawed Oslo policies. Why hasn't the PA wiped out Hamas by now? Because they don't want to. Again, you can argue, well, Hamas did what they did against the PA in Gaza there. But the whole 
premise behind Oslo was the PA was going to be armed and trained so that they can fight the terrorists. And they never fought the terrorists. And of course, there are always uh, Hamas PA skirmishes. And there's one going on in Lebanon right now, violent I'm talking about. But the PA, while they might not, might not like Hamas, when it comes to destroying Israel, that is something they can agree on. While their tactics are, are definitely different, Hamas and the PA both hate Israel. One pretends to be a peace partner. The other is openly against the Jewish state. But either way, either way, bolstering, in my opinion, the PA is a terrible idea. It seems like we talk about this each and every week. But yet again, at the United Nations, the General Assembly using their time to condemn what they call acts of terror by extremist settlers. The General Assembly approved a resolution 146 to 7 just the other day, condemning acts of terror by several extremist Israeli settlers. Now, you're talking about a radical group of Jews who carry out acts of violence on an intermediate on 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 a on a very limited basis and when they do so whether it's in self defense or not those acts are condemned by Israel by our leadership by others who live in Judea and Samaria but that's not the point the point is it's unbelievable that these internal issues in our country are actually brought up by the UN General Assembly, with wars all over the world, terror attacks, I just looked up yesterday, terror attacks, deadly attacks in Congo, in Yemen, and other places. All these things are going on around the world, and the UN is dedicating its time to talk about a dozen, 50, maybe 100 people who are off the grid. And at the same time, a uh, resolution ignoring violence and terrorism against Israelis. One-sided, completely unnecessary. It's unbelievable. I mean, are they talking about violence over the weekend in South Chicago at the UN? I mean, because that's basically the same thing. And, and over there, it's much worse. Okay? Yet the UN is focused It's in, in sick infatuation on the residents of the Judean Samaria, where you have just a handful who are, again, off the grid and are not accepted as being legitimate in any circles, yet somehow this issue makes it all the way to the UN. It's just crazy, folks. And at the same time, one of these resolutions called on Israel to give Syria the Golan. The it's unbelievable. How many years of civil war uh, are we at now in Syria? Real stable country there, right? Israel should turn over its strategic high grounds, which were used for years to rain down bullets on fishermen on the Kinneret, the Lake of Galilee. And the UN using their time, using their time to talk about a, a group of teenagers and to encourage Israel to give away the Golan Heights. It's just insane. And it seems like it's now like every, what is it, every week now the UN is going to condemn Israel? Anyway, just crazy, crazy stuff here, folks. A lot of talk, switching gears here, just reported by the Jewish press, a lot of talk about uh, 
a new book by Israeli journalist Barak Ravid titled Trump's Peace that included an interview with former President Trump in which he cursed out uh, former Prime Minister Netanyahu. A lot, of, a lot more details released over the weekend about what, again, was reported, what is being reported in this book by Ravid in terms of the Trump-Netanyahu relationship. Perhaps it, it was a little bit more rocky than we were led to believe. All different types of issues. Um, according to this account, Trump uh, thought that Netanyahu never wanted to get a deal done. According to this account, Trump praising Mahmoud Abbas, the head of the PA. Again, this is all, again, I don't know if this is to sell books, if these, this actually happened. It is being, it's being reported as if it happened. It's all in this book, which, is, uh, which just came out. But, I mean, several questions here. The questions I have are, what happens if President Trump runs and wins in 2024, what happens if Netanyahu becomes prime minister again? What if these two are forced to work together? Is this book going to be a stumbling block in between the two leaders? Right now, it's pretty much irrelevant because neither are in power. Trump isn't the president. Netanyahu is not the prime minister. Um, also, if this is accurate, was Trump... Uh, a great friend. Of course, you can't take away anything he did. Okay, the, f the facts speak for themselves. The proof is in the pudding. Or did he just want to get a deal done? Again, as I asked before, are we just talking about an author trying to sell books with controversy? It will be interesting if either of them becomes, or they've both become leaders of their respective countries. Um, also, Let's see if the Biden administration takes the bait here or jumps in on this and, you know, some kind of anti-Bibi movement comes out saying that even Trump didn't like Bibi, but who knows how this is all going to play out or, again, if this is about selling books. But that one quote definitely stood out. Trump cursing out Netanyahu, upset that he congratulated uh, President Biden on his election victory or he did it too quickly or I don't know what. But it definitely makes for uh, headlines, that's for sure. There's actually an interesting Twitter post by Oded Ravivi, the mayor of Efrat, on this whole, um, on this whole report specifically on the fact that Trump wanted to get a deal done in which Israel would apply sovereignty over a good portion of Judea and Samaria. And I don't have Ravivi's quote in front of me on Twitter, but essentially he, Ravivi says that, uh, that Trump wanted to give Israel the ability to apply sovereignty, and it was Israel's fault because of the leaders of Judea and Samaria who did not want to take the deal and advised Bibi against taking the deal. So that's where he sees this. Uh, that's where he sees this context and the fact that Trump wanted the deal and Bibi didn't and Ravivi, again, I'm not quoting him word for word, essentially blames the leaders of Judea and Samaria for advising Bibi not to take the deal, which, by the way, did call for the establishment of some kind of so-called Palestinian state, but 
it would have been very hard for the PA to meet all of those requirements. So the debate continues whether or not Israel should or should not have taken that deal when the time came up. I mentioned this before, the Hamas PA going at each other in Lebanon. There was a Hamas weapons storage facility which blew up on Friday night in the Burj al-Shamali sector of Tyre in Lebanon, according to Reuters. The Iranian-backed terror group maintains a presence in many so-called Palestinian Arab refugee camps in the country. This reported here by, uh, by the Jewish press, by the way. More than 20 people killed. They say that the explosion took place either in or near a mosque in the area. So here is Iran funding Hamas, uh, Hamas, a Hamas weapons plant, either in or near a mosque in Lebanon. Looks like God had other plans for these people who wanted to try to hurt Israel. That's for sure. And then I saw that at the funeral yesterday, there was a shooting at the funeral. Again, Hamas and the PA not loving each other. Shooting, shooting took place. I don't know exactly who shot at whom there but uh people were killed at the funeral i think it was pa related people shot at hamas but again at the end of the day they all hate israel and they certainly have no love lost for each other but you see how iran has is extending its tentacles of terror everywhere in the region supplying groups like hamas and hezbollah with weapons which uh, their plan is to use against the state of Israel. Here is our weekly anti-Semitism report. This by Arut Sheva, a 37-year-old resident of Amarillo, Texas, and an accomplice were arrested on suspicion of threatening to murder three senior Chabad Hasidim in New York and threatening their families. The North Texas Federal Prosecutor's Office said the defendant had explicitly threatened to harm rabbis as well as ordinary citizens in New York, I don't know, I guess his plan was uh, to go to New York and murder some Jews. Apparently, 10, day, ten days ago, this uh, fellow, 37-year-old from Texas, went to Crown Heights. Sorry, he, rather, he went onto their website, went to the website of uh, the Chabad, who are based in Crown Heights, saying he wanted to murder all the Jews. He included a link to a YouTube video in which he said he was going to execute Hasidic leaders. Uh, he was arrested there in Texas, so him and his accomplice. So that is our weekly anti-Semitism report, and I saw a bunch of other things that happened. Can't get to them all, but uh, anti-Semitism is here. It is real. It is happening all over the place, including in the United States. Now, three positive stories to finish today's show. Number one, Israeli Paralympic Taekwondo fighter, Asaf Yasur won a gold medal at the World Taekwondo Championships over the weekend held in Istanbul, Turkey. 19-year-old competed in the under 58 kilogram category and defeated his Turkish opponent in the finals. So congratulations to Asaf Yasur on the gold medal. He, by the way, he lost both of his hands at the age of 13 in an electrocution accident. And now he's a Taekwondo champion so congratulations to him at the same time i was very involved in the uh, world championships of flag football which were held this past week here in israel congratulations not only to the u.s men's and women's teams who 
both won the gold medal. But congratulations to Israel for being able to host and putting it all together, American football in Israel, Steve Leibowitz and Danny Gwertz and everybody over there, being able to put together a tournament in the midst of a pandemic with all the restrictions in place, keeping it safe, keeping everyone healthy, and hosting, again, 900 people from around the world, players and coaches and and trainers and officials and media who flew into Israel for an amazing tournament, the World Championships. Israel, by the way, the men's finish, the men's team finished ninth, the women's team finished 12th, but it was, a, it was a great experience. I had the pleasure of actually broadcasting some of the games live on the internet, and there were tens of thousands of people who were watching and listening on YouTube as the games were being played here in Jerusalem at the Kraft Family Sports Campus and also at Teddy Stadium in Jerusalem. So it was an honor and a pleasure to be part of that. And finally, early this morning, Miss Universe was crowned at the pageant, which took place in a lot. And the new Miss Universe is... India! So again, despite the travel ban... Uh, all of the Miss Universe contestants succeeding to make it here to Israel. Miss India, I hope I pronounced it correctly, Harnaz Shandhu was crowned the next Miss Universe. It just finished a few hours ago in the early morning so that people, I guess, on the U- in the U.S. Uh, perhaps would see it in prime time. She edged out Miss Paraguay and Miss South Africa. Miss South Africa, by the way, got a lot of slack from her own government from competing in the tournament because there are a bunch of uh, BDS Israel haters over there in South Africa. And a a once a true apartheid regime in South Africa, now they've become hypocrites and are accusing Israel, while there's zero comparison there, accusing Israel of being an apartheid state and whatnot. Nevertheless, Miss South Africa, Alele Maswani, competed, finished in third place, and said, no, she's coming to Israel, and she had a great experience from everything I read about that. But bottom line, congratulations to Miss India, crowned Miss Universe by Steve Harvey. He came in, He came and made it here into Israel, again, just a few hours ago, down in the south part of this country. This is Israel. Congratulations. Thank you, Steve. Anyway, that's going to do it for today's show. My name is Josh Haston. This has been another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com for the 13th of December, 2021, the 9th of Tevet, 5782. Hope you're safe. Hope you're doing well in your part of the world. Shout out to Benjamin Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein, for everything she does behind the scenes. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com. Joshua Haston on Facebook or Josh Haston Israel Advocacy and Journalism on Twitter at Josh Haston and on Instagram as well. Coming to you from just outside the walls of the old city of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. What is the purpose of this groups being here? We intend to go back home. The land is waiting for us for 2,000 years. It's about time to settle. Do you have permission from the government to settle? Permission from the government? I don't think that a Jew needs permission from anyone. Tune in to The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer, now in the 1970s. Whatever else Zionism may be, it is not and cannot be a form of racism. 
learn all about the rise of international terrorism, the birth of the settlement movement, and the story of the Jewish people and Israel. Israeli commandos armed and ready for combat. In 36 minutes, they killed seven hijackers, helped the hostages to the waiting planes, and took off again for the long flight back to Israel. That's the Jewish story with Rav Mike Foyer on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.